And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9. Thank you. Well, God, we sit under your word right now, Lord. Thank you that we're not on our own trying to just uh, figure out our way in this world. But, Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And we just want to posture our hearts and our minds beneath your word. Say, would we be able to hear you and respond to you? It's your word that counts. Lord, it's not that uh, nobody else's word matters here, but it's your word that really counts in our lives. So help us to be able to be responsive to what you say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can go ahead and be seated. Hey, welcome again to Radiant. Um, If you are a part of us and have been here in the last few weeks, you know that we're on a, a series right now where we're talking about the church. Kind of what is the church? How does it work? What does it look like here at Radiant? And a couple of weeks ago, we kicked it off and we talked about this being a led family. And that means that there's leaders. Jesus is the head of his church. There's elders and deacons and in our family, a financial team and others that help serve and lead the way. And then last week, Jared brought a preach about this being a gifted family. And that simply means that God has given gifts. He's created every person and put certain things inside them that would allow them to be able to serve him and help help reflect his purposes in our world. And so what that means here at Radiant is that Jesus is the one hero, the one superstar. Everyone else is given gifts and is called to be on the field. We're called to all be on the field. And sometimes it probably looks like rugby, like a scrum. Like it looks like, oh, do these guys even, is there a, a, is this just like a free-for-all? Sometimes it might look, look like that. But, you know, God is not looking for a professional dialed-in thing in his church. He's looking for a family that's going to participate and jump in. So that's what we've talked about these last two weeks. Today we're going to focus on God's family as a worshiping family. God's family is a worshiping family. The family of God is a family of worshipers. And worship is a high value for us as a church family, but we also recognize that when when we say that, like when I say that this morning, worship is a high value, it's not totally clear what I mean, right? Because some of you are going like, so does that mean they're talking about the thing we do right before somebody preaches? Like the thing we do at the beginning of our Sunday morning gatherings, is that what he's talking about? Like corporate worship and singing and praise? Or is he talking about something else or something more? And I think the answer to that is yes. Both of those things. And so we're going to look to unpack that in just a very few minutes and talk about what it is when we talk about being a people of worship. And I would just say this, here in this family, we do highly value corporate worship. The activity of corporate worship is something we highly value, and you're going to find that we intentionally seek to incorporate worship in just about every gathering we have. You know, if the financial team's getting together, 
they might worship if Sam pulls out a guitar. If not with a guitar, they may worship in another way, in surrendering. But we do highly value, as a family, corporate worship. And we see it as something that's big. Um, yeah, we, we value it a lot. But it is so much more than that. That's not just what I'm talking about here. We're talking about something beyond that. We are all created by God to worship him. It's part of the design of who you, who you are and who I am. We've been created by God to be worshipers of him. And if we don't find that track of worshiping him, we're going to worship something. All throughout history, you can see it. Mankind is going to worship something. They're either going to worship the true God or they're going to worship something else. You know, you may find tribes in Africa or wherever else making things to worship because that's what God has put in us. He's put in us to be worshipers. That's part of who we are. But not all worshipers are singers. Not all worshipers are musicians. And not all worshipers, frankly, are really musical. You know, that's, that's just a reality. I talk with people all the time, and they say, like, I don't even want to sing because I can't carry a note in a bucket. And I just want to say, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be musical to be a worshiper. We're talking about worship that's beyond that. And I want to say for all of you that are going, like, I'm not a musician, I'm not musical, I can't carry a note, good news. You're still called to be a full-hearted worshiper. That is still who you are called to be. That's where our identity is supposed to be, and we are invited into wholehearted worship. Worship is not limited to a Sunday event or activity. You know, I, I love corporate worship, so I use that term a lot, like, man, I love it when we get to worship together. But in my life, what I'm striving for is to live a life of worship. And that's really what we're talking about, something that's not just a Sunday morning expression, but something that is more like an expression that is evident in our whole life that we are lovers of God and devoted to God. And it trickles over into every area of our life. And we, uh, we have to work at that. We have to work at that. I have to work at that. You know, when you read your Bible throughout the scriptures, God has wanted to be at the center of his people. You know, when God created Adam and Eve back in the garden, what did he do with them? He walked in the garden with them. You know, I, I love to think, what would that be like? But God would show up regularly, and they'd go walking in the garden together and talking. And God was right with them in their midst. And you know some of the story, sin comes, this gets broken up. But when God is taking his people out of Egypt, what does he do? He leads them. But he didn't just lead them by giving them a map. He leads them with the cloud in the daytime that they could see. And he just said, stay right with me follow this cloud. And at night, since you couldn't see a cloud, it'd be a pillar of fire. And God just said, stay with me. Keep your eyes on me. I'll lead you. And then finally, as they get in the promised land, he says, okay, build a temple. Put it right in the middle of where you are. And in the middle of that temple, put this thing called the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. And that represents the presence of God. All through the scriptures, the people of God have been called to center their lives around the presence of God, around who he is. That is the goal, and that really kind of is the, the worship is the term that most easily, I think, for us defines what that is, to build your life 
around the centrality of God himself and his presence. True worship is the valuing or treasuring of God above all things, above everything. It's the centering of our lives around God and his presence. Earlier, Julie read to us out of Romans 12, which talks about worship, the very first verse of that. And then it goes off into the gifts that Jared shared last week. I want to read it to you again out of the message. And just let your heart just receive this. So it says, so here's what I want you to do with God's help. Take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. This is your worship. And just let that sink in. What God's looking for, your everyday, ordinary, common life. You know what? That's what we live. That's what Jared lives. That's what I live. That's what we all live. We have everyday, ordinary lives. We'll go to this for work. We'll go to do this for leisure. But we have everyday lives. And the invitation that Paul gives to us here in Romans 12 is take that everyday life and place it before God as an offering. This is your worship. This is worship as a lifestyle. Worship as a lifestyle, not a Sunday morning activity. The Colossians 3 passage that Julie read just goes on and adds to that when it says that in everything, at all times, we seek to do it all unto Jesus for his glory, for his goodness, for his name. That we're learning to do all things at all times. That means not just I'm looking for my Sunday morning to kind of be reflective of that I love God. But we're looking for that to spread and carry over into every area of our lives. That's what wholehearted worship and devotion is. That we're looking for our love for God to kind of seep into everything that we do. So that means if you work as a teacher, that means you're looking for your love for God and your worship for God to seep into your classroom and how you do your work there. It means if you're a policeman, Vince isn't here, but if you're a policeman, that's what it means. If you sell real estate, it means you're looking for your love for God to penetrate that area. You know, we're so used to putting things in compartments, and I'm probably one of the worst at that. Like, I, I, every time I walk in Costco and see those black and yellow bins, I want to buy another one, even if I don't have something to put in it, because I want everything to be in its box, and I want to stick it on a shelf, and I even want to label it. Like, I've labeled some of our, I bought, some, I bought those black and yellow bins back there and put labels on them. I, I, that's how I think, putting things in compartments. And while that's not a bad way to organize your garage, it is a bad way to organize your life. We aren't created by God to have things in compartments so that I have my spiritual compartment here and then I have my work compartment here and then I have my leisure compartment here and those things don't intermix. A whole life of worship means that we're seeking to bring down the walls of separation. We're seeking to see those compartments fall apart and we are learning, we are saying, God, would you help us to live as wholehearted lovers of you at all times and in all places of our life. Now, what does that look like? That doesn't mean that you're walking around like you're at work going, okay, God, I worship you. No, that is, that'd be just weird. Please don't do that. And if you do that, don't say you're a part of Radiant if that's what you're doing. You know, don't do that. It doesn't mean that. That's like, that is 
the cool part of some of the, the event of worship, but a whole life of worship means simply that we are looking to put our love for God and our devotion to God into everything that we do. And I have to wrestle to do that every single day. That's not like a choice that I made and said, let it be, and then I didn't have to worry about it from then on. I've got to work to do that because I'm really good at trying to take control of not only my life, but of your life, if you will let me. I will take control and tell you how you should live your life. And uh, that's, that's, not, that's no bueno. Um, anyway, this is something that I wrestle for, but what we see in the scriptures is this is what the people of God are invited to. This wholehearted, whole life experience of worship in the most mundane of things. How many of you have babies that are like a year old or under? There's, there's a few babies here. And you know what? Changing diapers as worship unto God. Mowing the lawns as worship unto God. Cleaning your house as worship unto God. We don't carve off anything and say, well, this is just crappy. I'm just going to do it and try to get through it while you're changing the diaper. You might have to plug your nose. But to know that as you're doing that and looking to integrate every part of your heart, God is pleased with you as you're doing those things and the very mundane things. He's looking for that to be your offering of worship. And it's the essence of true worship. We aim for that in this family here at Radiant. So what does that look for us like in an ongoing way? What does it look like? Well, I think it looks like a couple things. It does look like an ongoing encouragement to live our lives in our whole lives in worship and devotion to God. That's what it looks like. That we are looking for our love for God and our devotion to God to seep into every area. That we don't have areas that are carved off. You know, we don't have a bunch of doors shut. And when we have doors shut, we're trying to open those doors and let God, let our love for God penetrate those areas. We're seeking to be whole life worshipers. A second thing that it also means for us here at Radiant is it looks like wholehearted engagement in the activity of worship in our gatherings and, and also in our personal lives. You know, worshiping God, the activity of worshiping God, if it only happens for you on a Sunday morning or when Ryan has a guitar in a small group or something, if it only happens for you there, then that's not bad, but it's not as good as it could be. What really matters is when in our personal lives we're making place to really worship God, spending time. Like I love driving my car, listening to the word, doing some of those things. But you know what? God loves it when we set aside specific time to just say, I'm going to give you first place. I'm going to quiet my heart and give you first place. God, is there anything you're touching on in me? Is there anything you're trying to get a hold of? And as your attention is going every which way, you're going like, oh, yeah, I guess you're trying to get a hold of my mind. You know, is there any affection you're trying to get a hold of? Personal worship is really the platform that helps us experience corporate worship, the activity of it, in a, in a powerful way. And so we are committed to both of those things, living a life of worship and experiencing engagement with God in our worship times. We make room for him in small gatherings and in large gatherings, we love, we love to put God's presence in the middle of what we're doing. You know, when you come on a Sunday morning, there's plans that have been made. Whoever's leading worship, there's plans. 
that have been made, whoever is leading, hosting the meeting, there's plans that have been made, whoever's preaching have made plans, but our desire as a leadership, we lay all that before God and say, God, our biggest plan is for you to be the head of your church. Show us how to be surrendered to you with all of our plans. We want to open them up. We really want Jesus to have first place and be the center of all things. So when it comes to wholehearted engagement in the activity of worship, I want to say to you what Jared said last week. You count. You count in this family, and your involvement in worship counts as well. Now, we all bring different offerings in worship, and that's good. We're not looking for anybody to act like anybody else. We're looking for you to be set free to worship God with your whole life in the way that he's made you. But we all bring different offerings, and there's different things that we contribute, but we are all called to contribute. It's like when we look at family worship, it's kind of like a big potluck. And you may not be bringing the prime rib, but guess what? Somebody can be really sad if the green jello's not there. So don't hold back. Don't look at it and count yourself out like, I don't think I have anything. Now, when it comes to what your expression or what you contribute might look like, it may, may look like some of the verbal expressions that you see could be singing, praising, declaring. It could be shouting. It could be prophetic encouragement, or it might be that there would be physical expressions that are more your thing, like lifted hands, like clapping, like kneeling, like dancing, whatever. Those are all biblical expressions. Those are in the scriptures as expressions of worship, and that's not all of them. There's a lot of them. So it may look like any of those things. We're not like trying to lock you in, but what we are saying is that this is a culture in Radiant, this is our culture of looking to encourage people to engage with God, engage with putting him at the center of everything. And we need your help in doing that. You count in doing that. I'd like you to stand right now, and Jared and Jordan are going to come back up here, and we're going to worship some more. But I just want to read over you the passage, the last passage that Julie read, and I want to just speak it out over you. This is out of First Peter 2. And I would love to just say, would you open your heart to be in a place of receiving just an invitation from God? You are a chosen people. You've been chosen. You've been set apart as God's people, his own. Selected by him, handpicked. You are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, so take your place boldly in his family as those who belong to him and those who belong in his family and use your life to proclaim the beauty and goodness of the one who brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are a chosen people. You've been selected by him to be a part of his family. Thank you, God.